Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. How are you, good sir? I'm back in familiar territory, coming to you live from the Mazda Studios. As we are in the middle of a bit of weather, let's call it. Yeah, it's everybody seems to be getting it at a, a slightly different point around the country. Uh, some of the uh, East Coast, some of the northern areas got it a little before we did, but it's finally reaching us here in good old Bloomington, Indiana, and everything is freezing, and then it's snowing on top of the freezing. So, yeah, we, we get, you know, like half an inch of ice or an inch of ice before the snow. That just makes it super awesome. But I will say, just as a positive note, this will be the first major weather system, really, of the the winter of 2021-2022. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, you are absolutely right. I mean, even just a couple days ago, it was 60 degrees outside, so it's been a weird, weird winter. Absolutely. Well, this particular episode, we're going to hop back into something that we had been dealing with previously over many, many episodes. We're going back into the history of comic book movies. Um, We have gone all the way up to 2019 now. It's just really hard to believe how many years of comic book movies we've already covered. There's been quite a few, and a lot of those years, we, I guess I said, should say a lot of those years more recently, We've had to split into even two episodes, much like we will do for this year, because there's been such a proliferation of comic sourced movies that have been out. So there's a lot of there's a lot of them for this year. There's a lot of awesome ones for this year. But like some other years, there's some (laughs) we just can't really speak a whole lot to. Yeah. So we'll we'll try and kind of go quickly past those. But just as a reminder to our newer listeners that maybe haven't heard this particular uh, series of episodes before, when we talk about comic book movies, we're talking about specifically films that were based on comic books. Uh, It could have been a previous incarnation before the comic book, maybe a novel or a myth or something of that nature, but it cannot have had an audiovisual format previously. So if it was a radio program before it was ever a comic book, it does not count. If it was a television show before it was a comic book and then it was converted into a movie, say like a G.I. Joe, it does not count. Um, so there uh, are a few that are comic book adjacent, shall we say, uh, and definitely fit into the pop culture mode but we aren't really going to count those in this particular grouping. I actually had a discussion on last week's podcast, if you'd like to listen to it, uh, about one of those outliers that was a comic book sourced video game before it became the source material and before it became an animated feature. So there's a few of them out there that are like that. It's rather amusing how... One thing can feed another, and it just kind of warps and morphs as it goes along. Eventually, we're going to get to a point where we're not really sure what what was the source and what wasn't, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's certainly interesting. Yeah. I mean, if the source itself is good enough, then it kind of doesn't matter. Exactly. Well, talking about an excellent source, let's start with a film that neither of us have ever seen. We always 
love to do that. And by we, I mean me, because I kind of love to <laughs> just get them out of the way. <laughs> so we talk about the film, and we talk about the people that are in the film, and what it's based on, and go, meh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, that looks like it has actors in it. The end. Exactly. So the first one we're going to start with is a film called Rotten Tail. Now, the other reason I wanted to start with this particular film is it's an outlier in a couple of different ways. Uh, now, if you decide to take a look at this on IMDb, you will see that Rotten Tail actually shows up with a year of 2018, not 2019. Um, now, the thing is, though, the same IMDb that says that, even though it matches through uh, other sources like uh, TMDB and Wikipedia to a certain extent, if you look at the actual first uh, screening, it's 2019. <laughs> so <laughs> interesting. Eh. So there's there's some there's some uncertainty now. Uh, Rotten Tail, uh, based on a comic of the same name that came out the uh, same year, if I remember correctly, or a graphic novel, I should say. Um, it's. Uh, it looks like one of those movies that's so bad it's good sort of thing. Um, it is a horror film. Um, looking at the description, uh, Peter Cotton, uh, <laughs> a scientist that works on rabbits and infertility, learns that military, the military wishes to use his work to create superhuman soldiers. Because, of course, rabbits are the key to super soldiers. <laughs> I mean, you've got me hooked already. <laughs> and the uh, the the prosthetics just from the, the visuals look so much fun. I mean, I have a feeling I would just get a great deal of joy at watching this film somehow. It's uh, it looks pretty pretty wonderfully awful. And not that it's we we've talked in the past about rankings or ratings. Uh, from Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb has their own kind of sourced collective ratings and rankings. And that's not the ultimate guide, but it is an idea. And this one's got a whopping 3.6 for the scores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you look at the director, uh, Mr. Brian Skiba, um, he's actually got quite a few directing credits. Uh, for just a ton of films that I have never seen or even heard of. Um, some of them are shorts. Some of them are television movies. But, uh, yeah, it's that's generally a, a sign of, of nothing, really. Actually, now I think about it, it's a sign that you have no idea what you're getting into when you go into it. It could be just... Hey, this guy just makes as much as he can and none of it's very good or he's just not been discovered yet or, you know, there's all sorts of things that that could have gone into. Yeah, he directed The Second starring Ryan Phillippe and Casper Van Dien. <laughs> sure. I, 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 okay, I'm a big fan. I love me some Starship Troopers. Which starred Casper Van Dien. Yeah. The end. <laughs> if you look through the cast and crew on this, there's a lot of names. I don't know any of them, but uh, 
<laughs> okay, so uh, on to the next picture show. Absolutely. So let, let's skip to one that we've actually talked about before. Um, and it's a modern, or I should say more modern iteration that's already been adapted to the big screen. Uh, in 2019, they decided to make another Hellboy film. And good. That story, the group of characters. Yeah. Honestly, that stuff's fun. Yeah. I love but. I love the character a lot. This adaptation, however, I seem to remember we both had a, a similar reaction to it. Mine may have been stronger uh, towards the negative than yours was. <laughs> but uh, um, I did not like it. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't the worst thing, and if you read some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, it there was a lot of what 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 do you call it conflagration between maybe the director and the studio and the actors. So it was never it was never going to work to begin with. No, and they had to do with what they had to do with. Now the actors, I mean, shoot the 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 actors are all on point like they got a great cast for this yeah it, it was well casted never played never played out i mean generally speaking you put uh mila jovovich in anything and i'm going to be a pretty happy camper because i just love her to death and david harbour is great uh in in most anything that that he is in um yeah the whole the whole cast is 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 really solid Got to see an alum back from the, <clears throat> I mean, it's a, it's a minor thing, but back from the days when I, I watched Angel as a show that I really liked. Seeing Daniel Day Kim show up was just fun in the film. And seeing Thomas Hayden Church in it, albeit very, very briefly, <laughs> was great. But that's about the high point. Uh, its previous incarnations um, were definitely better. And I, I really like Ian McShane. He's oh, yeah. one of my favorites. He shows up in a lot of things. I I I guess I first started noticing him in Deadwood and he was awesome in that show. And everything that he's in, he does a really good job and he, he was fine in this one. It's it it's just that the whole it just it it never it never got to the point where I were they trying to make this more of like a hardcore version of it, if I remember right? But it, it just didn't kind of, kind of felt that way, like they're trying to be more serious than the previous film was because the, the previous two had a certain tongue in cheek element that would just it was more lighthearted. There was definitely action. There's definitely darker bits, but there was a lot of comedy because that's the character. And to make it overly serious like they tried, kind of tried to do. I mean, there were still some humorous elements to it, but it, it just it didn't ever feel like it it clicked or worked. Yeah, I I I remember watching it, feeling that the movie was fine, and it, it's not like it's going to get an A plus score. Maybe you know you gave it. Uh, I want to say like a sixty five. I don't know if I was in on the actual scored ranking for it, but. It felt like a like a low C high D movie, which is fine in a certain sense, but maybe not one worth revisiting. No, no. If you want to watch a a better Hellboy film, the the ones from the early two thousands uh, 
or I should say mid 2000s were were definitely better. Um, Go Ron Perlman. Yeah, no doubt. To put him in everything. Uh, he was in Don't Look Up, and he was fantastic in that. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> he, he was great. Uh, I think they asked him about doing more Hellboy stuff, and his response was that he would he would like to, but he's just getting <laughs> either better do it quick because he's just getting he's getting old. older right now, or he, it's getting harder for him to do those things. Well, it, uh, the amount of prosthetics alone. That uh, I mean, I guess a lot of it can be done with CGI now, but please don't, because that uh, that was part of what made that previous one work was just the the feel of it that that you got with it. Um, but let's go uh, let's go to the next film. Let's talk a little bit about something that's a, a meta film, uh, as it were. This uh, particular film was about a group of people making a a set of comic books and those comic books uh, (laughs) inspire somebody to kill people. Uh, We're talking about random acts of violence. Must have had some some good words on the page, I guess. Yeah, I guess. uh, Helter Skelter, just the lyrics to Helter Skelter over and over again. Uh, I have not seen this film. I believe that uh, we're both in the same boat in this particular uh, thing, but I kind of want to see it just because of who directed it. Uh, Jay Barrichell uh, did the film. He just seems very likable. In every interview I've ever seen him in, in every film I've ever seen him in, he just seems kind of cool. And, you know, if you're going to do the voice to hiccup in How to Train Your Dragon... Uh, <laughs> it's just kind of a, it's one of those things that just brings a warm, fuzzy feeling for me. Um, and I believe, uh, I believe a lot of people kind of agree with me in this, in this particular thing. And he's in the film too. He directs and acts in the film. Now he is from Canada, is he not? <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Uh, are if you, you listen to our podcast, that's got some meaning. But. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, I, I can't help it. They're, the, the, it's a very large country that has spawned a lot of great talent. Um, but, you know, uh, other other than uh, Mr. Barrichell, there's uh, Jesse Williams uh, is kind of the other uh, top-tier person in this. Um, so, Yeah. <laughs> Jordana Brewster was in the what the faculty. She was in a couple other things too. But right, right. That's well, faculty was fun. Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of faces in this that you'll a lot of people will recognize as as it's like oh, I I know I've seen that person somewhere, kind of a thing, and and that's that's also kind of fun. I feel like this could be one of those films that are just kind of you don't realize it's it's going to be as good as it potentially can be i i have to I have to watch it obviously to to know but one of the things that really to me lends itself to this is that the source material is uh jimmy palmiotti who we've actually had on the show before um so that's absolutely correct He's super cool, and the stuff that he makes is generally pretty awesome. So I have to, so long as they stayed faithful to it, I have to expect that it was probably pretty good. 
did we we it's been a bit since we talked to him i think we talked to him before this movie came out yes yes if i'm not mistaken hmm i wonder what he thinks of this movie i i I bet there's an interview somewhere yeah (laughs) he tends to be a, a very friendly individual and that's one of the things that you love about him he's really um very active on social media and uh, tends to like to engage with people, which is which is great. It's one of the things that I love about comic book writers and comic book artists in general. I mean, there are outliers as always, but they're trying to tell a story. And in order to really get the engagement that they need, they need to know what people's reactions are going to be. And, and to, they want to see people enjoy the stuff that they make it feels like they they have that that kind of a need more in some ways than say a filmmaker might uh you know your traditional directors yeah because if they've produced it they've already they've already made the complete thing that people have already seen read enjoyed now it's time to present it in a different medium for potentially more people to see and enjoy. And of course, I could be completely wrong. It's one of those things, it's a, it's a matter of perspective. I've talked to a lot more people in the comic book industry than I've talked to in terms of uh, big-name directors. I mean, maybe that'll change over the years. Who knows? But uh, we can move on to uh, a DC property by extension so kind of like hellboy hellboy is not technically dc it's dark horse but dark horse is dc (laughs) our next film the kitchen was a comic book by vertigo vertigo is dc Uh, (laughs) they have a lot of names uh, originally uh those were like dark horse was their own component right yes dark horse dark horse was originally purchased purchased. uh vertigo if i remember correctly was not it was always an imprint from dc oh so like if you're if you're disney but then you do something with a different label with uh, what are their labels used to be like sony you had sony pictures classic and you had columbia and you had all those things it's kind of what vertigo would be exactly it's 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 its own kind of thing because and it makes sense to have that because when you see Marvel or you see DC, you get a very specific concept come to mind that can color your perspective on what you're about to watch. By having it be a label with a different name, it lends you a, a, a blank slate, a, a kind of clean starting point to tell your story from. Yep, no no uh, preconceived ideas or notions on what the material may be now this is uh, uh another one all the ones that said well technically i guess hellboy had some superheroic elements to it but it's more horror than it is uh, uh tights and spandex kind of thing but all the ones we've been talking about are just not your traditional fare in terms of comics this is more of a, a crime film um there was a lot of ads out for this and i feel bad because i still haven't seen this and i saw the previews for it, and I thought, you know, that actually sounds pretty interesting, uh, the whole idea, because it's actually got some really big names in the cast that aren't in it for a ton of time, <laughs> because the the whole idea is, you know, 
some guys are going to be doing some uh, crimey things and then they die. And it's on the wives to make good kind of thing. Um, yeah, this thing, you're right. This thing was, I feel like, pushed pretty hard yeah. when it was released in terms of ads and presentation. I mean, it's got it's got names that are, I don't want to say divisive, but they definitely often have a very uh, strong reaction from people pro or con. Uh, so like uh, Tiffany Haddish. Some people think that she's hilarious. Some people think that she's annoying. Uh, Melissa McCarthy gets the same kind of reaction out of people. Some people think that she is just really, really funny, and some people find her just a bit grating. But uh, Common is in it, and Common is a surprisingly good actor. Uh, <laughs> I just, I generally like him in most of the stuff that he's in, and uh, which is great because I, I, I've always loved his music. Um, but yeah, you're right. He's pretty solid. It's it's got a really really good cast surrounding everything, which just just makes me makes me have high higher expectations uh, a little bit. Uh, the director, um, not really familiar with a lot of her stuff. Um, she's going to be doing Aladdin two coming up apparently. Oh boy. Yeah, as a writer, anyway. Um, okay. So the only thing she's directed has been The Kitchen. So, yeah, just kind of. Yeah, some. Yeah, you're right. You got some writing credits for a few things in there. Straight out of Compton. Which the I. The Legend of Conan. Ooh, okay. Heard good and bad things about. No, that, yeah, that's going to be about Conan O'Brien. No, just playing. That'd be funny. It would be pretty funny. Um, but yeah, like I said, from the previews I saw, previews look solid. Um, I definitely want to give this one a shot once I uh, get around to it. It is it is on the list. But neither of us see it, so uh, <laughs> next. Ooh, I know what we should do next. You know what we should do next, Richard? We should talk about stuff we absolutely should and we'll do that right now hey there pudding people don't forget to check us out on our social media accounts so you can keep apprised of everything that we do any time of the day richard you're most on instagram right on the gram gram yes and what are we best known on instagram as pudding guys Easy enough. In fact, that's also what we're known as on Facebook. Now, I'd say we're on Instagram just a little more than we are on Facebook. You might get the occasional update there. We are most active on Twitter, where we are at Real Pudding Guys. Uh, we will give you updates about the next episode that's going to be coming at the end of the week, when it's released, any other little updates to the Ultimate Comic Movie Database or the Pop Culture Death Counts will also be there. Um, now... Our most exciting changes are going to be coming up soon. We're going to have a new website called Fate, the film and television engine. We're getting close to doing the beta for that. We're still working on the alpha side. We'll be doing a little closed beta and inviting a handful of people into this. I tell you what, it's going to be really, really cool when it releases. Now, you'll be able to also hear about that on our Patreon page. What are we on Patreon, Richard? Pudding guys. 
pretty easy. Now, right now, it's very easy to support us. How much does it cost, Richard? It's $1 per month. Per month. Not per day. Per month. <laughs> yes. $12 for a year. Yeah. Uh, that's really not much to help support us as we release new content as we get better equipment to release the content into. And when the Fate engine comes out, it will have its own cost, and we're going to make it very affordable for everyone to be involved with this. And it's going to be so cool. I can't wait for you all to hear about it. And wasn't that interesting, folks? Or at least uh, not terribly annoying? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like... I feel like I've heard that before somewhere. I just yeah. can't place it. Yeah. It may, I think somebody told me, in fact, that we should probably update it. We should do that sometime soon. <laughs> I think that was me. I think I Oh, that. yeah, it was. It was. Well, let's move on to a film that we've actually seen. We've talked about a couple of these films that are sort of DC but sort of not inspired from the source material. Let's go with one that's obviously DC. Uh, there's no two ways around it. We are, of course, talking about Captain Marvel. I mean... Shazam, uh, because uh, I hate lawsuits and some things, and uh, it resulted in just a dumb name. But a great film. Just a, the film is so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Shazam is, uh, you know, um, if we talk, if we go back steps and we look at all the other DC property things that came out, this was one that we finally saw. I mean, Aquaman was out, and it, it was goodish, right? Like making up words. Um, but this one was one of the first ones where, like, you know what? This one's fun. Um, they, they did a good job putting things together, and it's got a good cast, and it's got a decent story, and it looks good. Like, why can't they do other movies like this, build off of this momentum, and let's take it a, you know, a, a few more steps? Definitely. I, 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 it brought back some faith that DC could make a film that wouldn't make me just roll my eyes or become disappointed in some way, shape, or form. Um, the director for this has quite a lot of experience, a lot of short films, a lot of documentaries, um, but I think just between the fact that he, either he's just really awesome or just had a really great connection with the actors, really understood the source material, whatever the combination was, um, it just, it just worked. And maybe part of it is that, at least for me, you put Zachary Levi in anything and he is going to knock it out of the park. He just always is because he's impossible to not like well i when we looked maybe even before this movie came out one of the things that they had questioned of course was the suit that he was to be wearing and that there was a lot of filler in it because oh he's not that big and buff and whatnot but if you looked all looked at all the behind the scenes stuff I mean, he really went at it hardcore to build up a lot of bulk on his body and, you know, really take the role seriously so that he could do a good presentation. And that just part of part of being a good actor, actress, person in front of a screen is kind of putting your all into that role. And I think he traditionally does a pretty good job doing that. Oh, yeah. 
Definitely so. And, uh, you know, we've talked about a lot of the other individuals in this before, people that we uh, tend to like uh, and mention multiple times, Mark Strong being one of them. He's generally just awesome in everything. Um, uh, Jiban Hansu, um, again, just a, a guy we absolutely both love in pretty much everything. Now, admittedly in this, I didn't like it so much, but I don't blame him for that. That's more of a mess up uh, of the source material <laughs> where, where they where they changed some things around a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, his presentation seemed a little forced. But he wasn't in a, a large portion. He wasn't in enough of the movie, but not enough to distract it too much. Right, right. And uh, of course, we had John Glover in a prominent role. Uh, who is just fantastic in everything and who has also been on the show. One of the earlier people that we talked to on the show. Um, yeah. Sneaky good in everything that he's in. And you, you saw him pretty early in this movie. Yeah. So, I mean, if you like a film that just has a great deal of heart and understands the joy of the source material, because the original, Captain Marvel comics in DC were in the gold uh, in the in the golden age of comics were pretty campy. Uh, it was imagine Archie as a superhero kind of a feel to it to a certain extent. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not one hundred percent accurate in that comparison, but it it kind of kind of is accurate. Um, obviously, as things changed uh, through the Silver Age and uh, the Modern Age the character shifted a bit, but it always maintained a certain level of hope and optimism. And that is so key to make this character work. And you cannot have a dark Captain Marvel. It just does not work. And and it's, and it's not, not great. So I thought they did great. And I hope they make more of these films. And I hope Zack Snyder never touches it. Well, if you look at the director and you look at his credits, they're in post-production right now for the sequel to this particular film. So, so great. They brought all the same pieces and components back. So we're going to see another one. It's right. going to be a bit before we see it. I think next year sometime before we're actually going to see it. And, and you're right uh, in terms of the actual Shazam character. Uh, I like to watch a lot of the DC animated features whether it's the shows whether it's the films and i think the shazam character has been presented not serious but more of an, an actual powerhouse right but still oh, yeah. a powerhouse oh, yeah. that's actually just a kid and right. it, it's fun to see him get screen time from time to time and show his power and his importance in the actual dc universe and of course we're we're now that now that dc kind of i don't know dc's not in any groove by any sense of the imagination and they've kind of had some good ones and a lot of bad ones if we see a good one with the sequel to this if the aquaman film is at least as good as the first one i mean that's not that's it's not saying much not saying saying much right but if it's at least as good as the first one, hopefully better. The and then you've got you know, Black Adam. Back. Yeah. It, 
it's hopefully we can see some momentum here but yeah is 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 this the one that you're looking forward to or is it actually the black adam movie coming out both both i'm they're the black adam if done right is a darker character and could have some some great fun with uh they could have a lot they have a lot of flexibility with it because people are just not going to be as familiar with that character um and they couldn't have picked a better at least in terms of visual couldn't have picked a better actor than the rock to portray him um can he pull off black adam that's the only thing i'm mildly concerned about i the rock can do funny for sure uh the rock can do some serious but black adam is frightening at times i've never seen the rock do frightening not once so we'll see and of course the other thing i like about this movie was the hint of black adam right and then the very end credits um when dr Silvana is in the prison right then we actually get to see a little guest appearance in a window if you remember the end credits oh, yeah. i can't remember the name of the, i can't remember the name of the bad guy that's in there but it'll warm into your head eventually yeah. but <laughs> that, that character and that whole sense of what could be coming next is just I don't know, fun, you know, there's a lot of things you can do with this character, but let's take it in a fun direction. And I think that's what they're going to do. Absolutely. Well, let us move on to another film that neither of us have seen. Now, this was uh, not one that was released in the theaters. It was actually a streaming, straight to streaming release on Netflix. Um, The film that we're going to talk about next is called Polar, uh, based on another Dark Horse graphic novel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just kind of nice. kind of one of those things. Uh, uh, I am not going to attempt to pronounce the last name of the director. I, I feel like it's probably as simple as it seems like it, but it's got one of those circles over the A. So, nah. <laughs> but uh, uh, is it, it? I don't know. Yeah, is it? Ackerland, I'll say it. Ackerland, that's uh, my guess. Uh, probably, probably. Um, dude's done a lot of music videos. Mm, I mean, I see some Rammstein in there. A lot of music videos. Uh, a lot <laughs> of music videos. Um, so yeah. Um. I'm kind of curious how how he got this particular project. And you see that sometimes. I'm starting to see a pattern. Uh, there, there are a number of directors. It's just like, here's 3,000 music videos and a film. Just- but, but here's the thing, too. When you look at what he directed, and obviously this, the – the, the the artists maybe want to go a certain direction with whatever they're doing and maybe he his, all his videos are the same i don't watch music videos i mean that hasn't been a thing in like a while 25 years but he's done music videos if you, you if you look at the list it's he did rammstein 
and then before that he did Lady Gaga, and then Metallica, and then P Riot. <laughs> Wait, is oh, and he did a he did a, a commercial for Old Navy, right? And there's some Beyonce and, and uh, yeah, Beyonce, Madonna. Robin Thicke. Uh, like, there's just oh, it's a wide variety of artists and styles. So obviously he could adapt. I mean, clearly because, he has to be trusted to have that range of people that want him to to make their video for them. So he's got to have that. He's got to have a touch that people just just say, "Hey, we got to go get this guy." And never have before until this movie. Right now, the the lead in this is Mads Mikkelsen, which I am particularly a fan of his he's he's just got he's got a a great uh charisma for for the parts that he's in and it's nice to see him play not the bad guy for once yeah he's got a good presence for sure but uh you know you got vanessa hudgens talking about uh music videos <laughs> bringing in a, a musician to uh to be on the on the group of uh, people. Um, one of the other humorous things is uh, Robert uh, Maillet is in it. Uh, I think he's French. That might be Malay. It might be, but uh, I know him uh, as a wrestler. He was, he was in the WWF for a long time. Well, maybe not a long time, but a significant period. L- let us say that. So whenever I see this guy, it's like, oh, I'm taken right back to wrestling again. <laughs> yeah, he's been he. You would recognize him in in listening to the podcast. You don't recognize the name at all, but I guarantee you, you recognize the face and the body because he's yeah. he's a big dude. There's there's no way not to. And you got some uh, Richard Dreyfus in this film, um, Julian Richings, who I always really like. Uh, he played uh, uh, Death. In Supernatural, uh, which was pretty cool. He unfortunately died not too long ago. Uh, but uh, Johnny Knoxville, <laughs> it's got an interesting cast. I saw that. Uh, Catherine Winnick is in it. She was, like, what did she do? Vikings? Is that what she did? She's very popular in that show. I think that's the one. And Yep, yep. Vikings. For a lot of seasons, too, actually. Well, she was in the Dark Tower. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's got a solid cast. It's already streaming, so you can watch it anytime you want. Uh, I, I'm not really sure why I didn't watch this yet. I, I think it's just my plate is too full. I get so many things, it just gets bumped out for something else. Well, I... I'd... I know when you when you go to Netflix and you see that there's like if you hover or highlight the thing, it gives you what a one minute preview or scene from that thing. And I remember maybe seeing some ads pop up for it on other services. And as much as I love the actor, it just I don't know. It just it just didn't pop. It it wasn't something like, oh, man, I got to go see that because. I feel like nowadays a lot of people have access in some form or fashion to Netflix. So it didn't necessarily exclude a lot of the target audience, but 
for me, I was just, it, it never, whatever advertisements or presentation they gave to it never drew me in. So I never looked for it. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm definitely going to change that though, because like I said, I like, I like Mads. So we'll have to, I'll have to give that a watch. All right. <clears throat> Only one more film to talk about that uh, we haven't watched, but we'll wait on that. Let's, let's talk about one that we actually have watched. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Go, go back and forth so we just don't go, yep, these people are in it. We're done again. Um, now, we actually did a review on this one when it came out. Um, or at least I did a review. Did we do the review or did I do the review? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, we both did the review. And I think we also did the Shazam review, too. Well, I knew we did the Shazam. I just couldn't remember if we had both done this one or not. But... Um, uh, we're going to actually have a Marvel entry in this one, in, in a manner of speaking, <laughs> and not in the MCU at this point. Uh, but uh, the final film in the convoluted, completely messed up chronology of X-Men films, X-Men Dark Phoenix. Um, yeah. It, uh, was, it was not bad. It, it honestly wasn't that bad. Now, one thing. And I think we have talked about this off screen is that the Dark Phoenix storyline has been played out a little bit, right? Like if you watched the cartoon from the nineties, it was in that. If you watched, you know, the previous kind of setup for the X-Men movies, the OG X-Men movies, it was in that. And you decided to do this again. And the the decision to do it again to me was questionable and the presentation that they gave of that actual character was it it it, it is what it is i guess you could say and I, I just feel like being an x-men fan there are so many better storylines and characters and bad guys and whatever to present and you're trying to get this movie out and like you go with the dark Phoenix. That's what, that was the thing that actually disappointed me the most from this movie. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I, I feel like the person, uh, Simon Kinberg that, that directed this film, he doesn't have a lot of directing credits. He only has three, but he's been involved in basically every X title film that this company had anything to do with as well as several other things that felt kind of comic booky. I mean, if you remember the film Jumper or uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, he produced those as well. But he was a producer on X-Men First Class and Days of Future Past and the Fantastic Four in 2015, which was not good, and Daredevil, uh, or Daredevil, sorry, Deadpool in 2016, which was amazing. And... Uh, X-Men Apocalypse and Logan and he's just been on pretty much everything including the really excellent Legion television show Um, so yeah if it was in the Fox family and it was a Marvel Fox family comic book he had his hands in it in some form or fashion as a writer producer both and I think what had happened through all those other movies if I'm not mistaken they were all directed by a certain individual that kind of fell out of favor. So he took over as the director for this particular film. And I think, 
you know, for what it, for what he was given to work with and where he was coming in and everything, I'm, I'm certain that he did as well as could possibly have been done. The entire cast, basically, of all of the previous films, <laughs> it feels like, returned for it. But, you know, we've talked about it before. Fastbender's great. McAvoy, just as actors anyway, is great. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence is some people really like. Um, I tend to like her pretty well in most things, um, even though she did. She was not very happy at this point in the, in no, the filmmaking process. No, I'm surprised they actually got her to be in this movie because she didn't really want to be in any of them anymore. So they they made sure she wasn't going to be in any more after this one, right. that's for sure. Uh, well, sort of. Who knows now? Um, but uh, I really like Evan Peters quite a lot. Uh, I mean, I always liked the Quicksilver character anyway, and... I th- I think he gets a lot of the a lot of the characteristics right. They actually both actors that played Quicksilver on both sides of it got elements of the character right. Neither of them got them completely right because I think they couldn't. They didn't have all of the source material to draw on, and that's that's sad in its own way. But uh, everybody did pretty good. I mean, really, if you like, he, he had. In a certain sense, although not really, a crossover, right, into a Marvel property TV show, but it turned out it wasn't really him. But it kind of it was him, but it wasn't him. It was it was fun to see his face, but then disappointing how they said it's not him. But still, it's one of the biggest trolls <laughs> that, a, that a production has ever done on fans. Yes. Yeah, it was. You you thought you like you're like oh my gosh this is it this is like this is how it's finally gonna, happening you're gonna sneak him nope <laughs> I was I I cannot lie once that last turn was revealed for sure which I had already had the sneaking suspicion that yeah this isn't what they're presenting it to be pretty much from the end of the first episode he showed up on. But when it was confirmed, I was a little mad for a little while. <laughs> it took some took some cooling down for me. Yeah, because when I I feel like most people when they saw that, who are were familiar with all these films and were were watching that, like you pointed at the screen, right? You're like that that's like you you had a a physical reaction right. to what you saw when he popped up from pointing at the screen from jumping out of your seat to like, like you were, it was so disappointing. But like we said, all in all, if you want a a film, that's just kind of a fun action thing that has a nice train sequence with a fight on it, this will work. But uh, yeah. And actually one of the things that was presented, I felt pretty well in this one, uh, the, the Cyclops character Better. I don't think get yes like doesn't get a lot of proper screen time when no. you think about it he's a dude and he can shoot very powerful eye blasts the end and you don't actually get a sense on what that really means but you you got just a just a sneaky little hint of that presentation in this film more so than you ever got in any of the other no. ones and I I enjoyed that subtle little aspect of it 
And that was always so disappointing to me because, you know, James Marsden, I absolutely love James Marsden. It's like, oh, he can he can do stuff. And then they didn't give him anything to do. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, what are you doing? No, he had to have angst. Yeah. Oh, well. Say la vie. Uh, <laughs> uh, say la vie is French for we're moving on to a film that neither of us saw. <laughs> and let's 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 be honest here. I'm. We talked about the polar one when we're like, yeah, you know what? The trailers never really, they never really popped, right? They no. never really looked at that and were like, yeah, I want to see that movie. But I still want to see that. it. I, we, now, yeah, we still want to see after talking about it a little more. But do you really want to see this next one? Not if I have to pay for it. Yeah, I don't. I feel like it's been in certain streaming services that you can watch it, and now it's really not. Yeah, if I see it like maybe, well, okay, so I collect every comic film in Blu ray form just to have it. Even because, you know, that's the kind of personality I have. So I, I will actually spend money on this, but it better be less than $5 when I get to it uh, for a physical copy. It, we're talking about Men in Black International. Um, and I, I have to be fair as I can be with this. There may be nothing wrong with this film, even though it didn't get a lot of positive reaction um, in in the... Uh, in the uh, review side of things. Um, I don't know that it was super successful in the box office. No. And, and you're right. The reviews weren't stellar for it either. And the cast is actually really pretty good. killer in this yeah. film. But I think the marketing and the trailers just really didn't do it any justice. And maybe the movie really isn't. Isn't that great? No, no, it's, no, this is, it's not a marketing issue. And I'll tell you why, why this film is one that is just not on my list. That's really top priority to see. As you're talking about, the cast is phenomenal. I mean, you got Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, who we know are both really good in the things that they do. Kumail Nanjiani, who I've spoken about before as really, really liking in pretty much everything. You've got Emma Thompson, just legend of stage, Emma Thompson. Liam Neeson. I mean, this is a stupidly good cast. But here's the problem. This is the fourth in a Men in Black franchise that has been Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith the entire time. And there's no handoff. It's way too jarring. It's like, well, you know, you you knew the other guys. Uh, they're not going to be in this film. They're going to probably be mentioned a couple times, but uh, uh, we'll give you a CGI dog. That's that's the problem. That right there. If there was like, if any of these actors had been in the previous film and they started seeding that, oh, we're handing off the series to to two new leads because we can't keep making these films. We don't want to keep making these films. Let's let somebody else have some fun. That would have worked, but just out of nowhere. Nah, doomed to fail. Yeah. You know, that, that billion dollar franchise that you had with one of the top movie stars in the world. And then another actor that was one of the best of his generation. Let's just disregard that and 
throw in a few other fresh faces. Yeah. I was, um, I was, I couldn't at first put my finger on it when I saw the previews. It's like, why, why do I just immediately hate this? There's no reason I should hate this. I love these actors and the visuals look fine. I mean, the, the, the effects look good. And it's not like it's a deep film to begin with. I mean, the source material is kind of silly. Why am I having such a reaction? And that was all it was. It's like they had a perfect set. They had they had it. They had everything they needed. And then they just here do something different. Eh. Yeah. And you know, we say how much we like the 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 people in the in the movie here. And we all know a lot of these, like the, the, the main two, right? We know them from the Thor movies and we're all about comic book stuff. And yeah, we get it. But uh, Tessa was in Westworld and she yeah. was great in that. And Hemsworth has been in tons of things as comedian, as action star. And he's great in the other ones too. Right. But yeah, I think, I don't know. It's just maybe the characters don't fit or they don't fit the characters or maybe it's just the presentation as a whole plus that no handoff and i mean what can we say we haven't seen it so but there's a there's a reason why we haven't seen it because it just it just doesn't look interesting yeah <laughs> that's all there's to it yeah it, it looks like uh it's one of those things like it's on my list technically speaking it's at the very bottom <laughs> behind everything else Number 327. <laughs> All right. Well, let's cap this off. We got one more film. Uh, we've, we've dealt with actually over half of the films in 2019 so far, uh, partly because the second half, the films that we're going to be talking about, there, there's a lot more to them. Uh, and we've actually already reviewed all of them, I believe, that are going to be in the, in the second piece of this. But just because there's so much more to talk about, eh, they get more time. But uh, let's end with one that we just both really, really liked uh, when it came out and were impressed with. And it is a comic film, but it kind of isn't at the same time. Uh, we are, of course, talking about Joker. Yes, indeed. It is based by name and characters <laughs> off of the comic book property. However, I would like to present this, and I think I've maybe even mentioned it during our review of it a couple years ago, that this is a, it is a Joaquin Phoenix show. Oh, yeah. And if you were to look at it at its core, it's a showcase on his skills as an actor while presenting this particular character. And he just crushes, just crushes it. Yeah, no doubt about this. Uh, this director, I feel like in a certain respect, has an understanding of certain things, and not just uh, the subject matter itself, but how to present it and how people think more than than some other people in the, in the industry, uh, more than maybe he gets credit for. But just look at the films that he's directed. Uh, Road Trip, Old School, Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> it's kind of, but The Hangover. Starsky and Hutch, buddy. Hangover 2, Hangover 3, War Dogs, 
which was really, really good. But he's also produced stuff like The Limitless television show, which was really solid. Um, All the King's Men, he was an executive producer on that. Um, So, I mean, uh, Star is Born in 2018. A producer. Right. So, I mean, he's had his hand in a lot of projects that are very strong pop culture kind of touchstones in certain ways. Does that say Joker 2? Yes, it does. Announced? Yes. I'm, okay. I'm kind of curious. Uh, announced doesn't really mean much of anything, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, that would be, I, I'm not sure where you would go with a second Joker film. The first one kind of says everything it needs to say. Yeah, it, it's you're you're not going to introduce other bad guys. Like you have, there has to be an antagonist, right? If I'm not mistaken, right? So what's the antagonist? It's, it's got to be Batman, right? It would be interesting, I guess, to see Batman as a less than heroic figure, kind of. Because that's the only way you could present it. Because the Joker character is a villain, but the way it's presented in this film, it's a villain you're supposed to empathize with. And that's where the conflict comes from. Even even at the very end, you still you get it. You understand. You've you've got that feeling. In order to maintain that in a sequel, I mean, he's he's already went over the edge. How are you going to maintain that level of empathy when you know he's already hit hit that point where he's he's ready to burn everything down? Yeah, and I I, I want to actually discuss one other thing here too because of the powerful presentation that you get from the acting, the story, like the emotional involvement that kind of goes with this particular movie. I mean, we, we gave it good, good marks. I think our scores were both high eighties for this particular movie. Um, The one question I have for you is, have you watched this movie again? Um, I actually have not. I've been meaning to, but I I never quite got around to it again because I'm going to do a kill count for it because you know, that's what I do. But uh, not yet. Why do you ask? Well, I feel like a lot of these movies that we have talked about, you know, Shazam, for example, which we both enjoyed. We've watched that movie more than once. Yes. And there's a reason behind us watching a lot of these movies more than once is because, well, for certain examples we want to do like for you you want to do a kill count for me i want to catch details i didn't catch before or you know for some reason there's just something in the movie that draws me to it and i want to watch it again because i enjoyed it and you know for me like the mortal Kombat movie that's out right now is one of those things it's a good movie but is it a a plus movie no why do i want to watch it multiple times i don't know there's just something about it that's cool it's just fun this movie is probably one of the best reviewed movies that we have up on the our our scoreboards and neither one of us has watched it again and i think it goes to 
what you're actually seeing in the picture, right? Like, you know, you know, what's going to happen. You know, the dramatic change, you know, the elements that's going to happen. There's no surprises because you know, everything. It's such a good performance from an acting standpoint. The story is solid. The pres the actual cinematography is, is great. Everything has a great color and a look and a feel to it. This should be a movie that we were like, this was so good. We want to watch it again, but it's got this, this feel that when you're searching through movies, it's like, I'm not going to watch that one again. And my question is, why not? It's because it's painful. The whole idea is to hold up a mirror to the worst aspects of what it means to be human. At least that's a lot of what I get out of that film. Uh, and, you know, in a more uh, simplified and maybe less accurate way of saying it, it's two hours of people suck. Um, it, it's just that that's hard to watch. It's hard to watch two hours of people being awful to other people. It's hard to watch somebody fighting a battle to live and to be better just to lose. Yeah, exactly. It's like the downhill, the downhill struggle. Right. Right. Working against yourself a thousand fold. But, you know, in terms of, if you are listening to this podcast and you haven't watched this movie, we would obviously would both highly recommend it, but it's a great actor's presentation. You are seeing top to bottom. This whole film revolves around walking, walking Phoenix and his presentation of this character. Definitely. It, it's top notch. Now the other, there's, there's another movie that's out there that a lot of people, my wife, especially cannot stand hate is annoying, hard to sit through, um, all these words, but is another one of these things where it's just a, a presentation with good cinematography and a great look, but it's the actor just absolutely destroying a role, but uh, it's hard to sit and watch it again. And that is, there will be blood. Yeah. That, that is a great performance by an actor in a movie. And the movie is like two and a half hours long, almost three hours long. So it's hard to sit through and watch that one again. I get it. But there's a couple of those movies that are out there that it's not necessarily always about the story. It's about that person presenting that character. And this is definitely one of those movies. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and again, it's, like I said, the, the subject matter is just rough. There are certain films that I get like that with, too. I mean, technically I have seen it more than once, so I'm sure I'll watch Joker again, too. But like American History X is like that. Mm -hmm. It's particularly harsh, but is a phenomenal film. Um, so I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of films like that that I that I'll watch, and then I may not come back to it. Uh, for a lot of people, Schindler's uh, Schindler's List falls into that. It's it's a really excellent piece of cinematography and storytelling, and one of the most painful stories that you can possibly watch. So it's just, it's one of those things. And that's where we're going to leave you on a down note. <laughs> but uh, what do you think, folks? Uh, have you seen some of the films that we didn't see? Uh, let us know in the comments uh, 
on any of our social media platforms that we have talked about earlier in this podcast. We uh, love to get some reactions. Did you see some of the ones that we liked and thought, phooey, that is not for me and is not a great film, and I will tell you why. We'll, we'll, we love to see that too. Just, uh, just let us know. But uh, we will continue on our trek down the path of uh, the history of comic book films and come back with the other part of 2019 Eventually, uh, it's not uh, not going to be next on our list, uh, uh, at least tentatively as we have it now. We're going to do something we haven't done in a long time next week. We're going to give each other some music that we haven't heard and try and uh, surprise the other host with something that uh, will inspire them and, and get them some, some new joy and some music. Yeah, I have another Gore album for you. Do not give me gore. <laughs> Please, God, do not give me gore. Uh, but uh, until next time, folks, stay warm out there, stay safe, and we'll be back in a week. 